Hello, hello, welcome, welcome. Hello, hello, everybody. Hello and welcome. I am glad you're here. Thanks for joining me. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dancefish.com, and we do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 9 Eastern for those that don't know where the real mountains are. And today we have an exciting lineup. I've got some cool stuff to talk to you about. We're going to start with the shipping report which we do every week. We tell you how it's going with our shipping, if all the shipping of our fish went well or not. That keeps us honest. Um, if you all know, if we fail, it gives us an incentive to try really, really, really hard to not fail. Let me look at stream settings real quick, stream health. Looks like it's good, but I'm, I'm buffering here on my end. Well, hopefully we're good. I don't see anything about buffering or that the microphone's bad or any of that. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. Oh, now we're dropped to good. There was no data at one point. Warning the streams. Hey, is this? So guys, I'm gonna get random arms to help me real quick. So we had a big windstorm earlier today and I'm wondering if that affected our internet. Um, it says that it's having some issues. You're coming across fine. I'm coming across okay. All right. I'm going to keep going. And uh, I wonder if the windstorm affected something somewhere. Anyway, um, the shipping report is video seems choppy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's my internet right now. For some reason, um, it said it's healthy. And then it said, oh, now it's only good, not excellent. And then it said, warning, your bit rate, here's what we're seeing. Your bit rate's too low. So I haven't changed any settings or anything. I think it's just from the windstorm, there's some um, issues. I'm going to put down low latency, though. That should make it work a little better, maybe. Oh, it won't let me do that. I literally can't while I'm live. We're just going to go with it. Let's see if it corrects itself. Um, I'm going to refresh real quick, see if that helps. Just a moment. And Jonathan's heading up to check the, uh, the modem and stuff, I think, or going on another computer to check some stuff out. So we're going to keep stumbling on. going to refresh here. Hopefully you don't all lose me. If you do, sorry. <laughs> but... The bubble sounds even louder than usual. Oh, well, we did get in that tank. So there's a tank right down here. It's a hundred gallon. And we got in there today um, to take pictures of the L173s that are in it. Not 173Bs, but nice, beautiful, like zebra pleco looking things, but a little bigger, a little different pattern and stuff. Um, well, that didn't help refreshing. And so we, we changed some filters and stuff around. So that might be what it is, but Okay, we're just going to soldier on here. Anyway, shipping report is, it's okay. It's not great. Um, we did lose two fish, so that's why it's not great. What we lost were Barbatus uh, quarries, Scleromastics Barbatus. They call it the bearded quarry. And what happened was, um, I, I'm not sure exactly what happened, to tell you the truth. Um, I've 
ask the customer to, you know, take some parameters and let me know what's going on. And I'm still waiting to hear back from that. So I don't know if there's something in the tank. Um, you, I would say 90% of the time, maybe more. It's, uh, we do measurements like, oh, there's ammonia in there. Or, ooh, there's really high nitrite in there. Um, like the tank is going through some kind of mini cycle or it's not fully cycled or anything yet. 90% of the time, um, I haven't actually measured it, but the majority of the time, that's what we find. And then we just figure that out. And once it's figured out, I'll, I'll reship the fish just so that they, you know, can be successful with their original intent. Um, this time, I don't know what's going on yet because I haven't got the report back from the customer. So I don't know if there's something going on in their tank or if something happened during shipping. However, I shipped um, Barbados Corys. I hate calling them Corys because they're Square Mastics. <laughs> square Mastics Barbados to several people. And um, there were no other issues, which makes me think maybe there's something in that tank we could solve. And also, I've had that batch for a while and they're rock solid. We haven't, they, they've been growing, they're thriving. So I'm pretty confident that they're still healthy and that it's just kind of a, either a one-off weird thing that happened during shipping or that there might be something in that tank we need to fix and, and before I, you know, send them another batch. So that's what happened this week. Um, and, and that's never fun, but it's two out of many, 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 many fish. So the, our percentage shipping fish is still well over 99% success rate. Um, and I have to recalculate. The last time I calculated, it was 99.7, I believe, percent success rate. I have that paper around here somewhere. Can I find it? Probably not. 99.7%, yes, success rate. Um, but that was a couple of months ago. So I'll recalculate here and let you guys know as soon as I find a minute to actually recalculate what's happened over the last couple of months. So a couple losses in shipping. Um, and we have yet to determine... If it's something from the tank they went into, or if it's something uh, shipping, or, the, or maybe something we'll never know what it could have been. But we're looking into that. Um, another cool thing to tell you about is our giveaway. So we're giving away some Turricana Jewel Cichlids. These are pretty neat cichlids. They're, first of all, they're beautiful. Orange, red bodies with... Um, it, on the fins, which are also beautifully colored, they have these blue speckles all over them. Let me show them to you. So here's an image of them. These are pictures that we took of our fish that we're going to show you. Um, so you have this beautiful colored on the body, and then on the fins you have all these blue speckles, all these blue iridescent stripes and dots. Um, look at this tail. It almost reminds me of a killifish, like a nigropinus or something like that or a Phaneus Mento. Um, it comes from Lake Turcano, which is a very interesting lake, neat habitat. And we'll give you a full article on this um, on November 1st when we, we release the Fishmonger newsletter, the Dance Fish newsletter, in a couple days. Uh, we have a, an article on this, which thank you, Michael Melier, for helping write that. Um, so I'm not going to go into a huge amount of depth right now because there's an entire article on them coming out where you can nerd out as much as you want. But in the meantime, the, the, the things to know, I think, for someone who wants to keep this fish is when they don't get too big, I would say like three inches would be a big one. Um, I don't think they get over three inches. If they do, not much. They're, they're not a large cichlid. They're very hardy. 
they eat everything, so they're easy to keep, and um, they're not super expensive. And like jewel cichlids, they're aggressive. Now you can keep them together in groups, and they're they're fine. They'll do the cichlid thing. They'll be rough on each other, but they'll be fine. In fact, I think as we look through this, we'll probably see yeah. You see a couple scales that are damaged and stuff. And that's because we took these pictures. Did you take these yesterday? Yeah, we took these pictures yesterday. And there's a pair spawning in the tank right now. So for the last three or four days, there's been a pair there spawning. And they're just, anyone that comes close to their corner, they just beat up on them, right? And send them back over. So typical cichlid spawning behavior. Um, so they are tough. Um, they are aggressive. They're aggressive to other fish as well. The reason I got them is they have a reputation of not being as aggressive as most jewel cichlids. Uh, I'm calling BS on that. <laughs> they, maybe because you can't keep them in a group together, um, but you can't keep them with any other fish really. I, I'm successfully keeping them with Cynodonis right now, Ocellaris. Uh, is it the Ocellaris? Yeah, I believe it's the Ocellaris that I'm keeping them with. So they're in with like uh, four or five inch Cynodonis. And, and the Cynodonis aren't bothered by them at all. They're armored and they have spikes and, and they live with them in the wild. So they know what to do. But um, I had them in before with fish that were really fast swimming, like a group of large rainbows. I thought maybe they'd get along. And that's when the Turricanas were little guys. Uh, they were maybe an inch or so at the time, inch and a half. And, and they beat up on the rainbows. I had to move the rainbows pretty quickly. So not a community fish unless you have like really tough community fish like Cynodonis catfish or really armored stuff. Um, I've kept them with Bushinos plecos long term without problems as well. Big Bushinos, not like little babies. <laughs> so that's the things to know. Hardy, beautiful, small, um, easy to spawn, easy to raise, but tough fish and ornery little suckers. So quite aggressive. But we're going to give them away. We're going to do a giveaway of three of these. So if you would like some and you would like to enter to win that, then the hashtag is hashtag so red. If you type hashtag S-O-R-E-D into the comments, that will enter you to win. Um, I think I can send you three of these Turkana jewel cichlids, which are really stunning fish. So there's one picture. These were all taken yesterday. Here's another one. I'm going to say this is probably a female um, just because she it's not as dark. I think this one's probably a male. I'm not the best at sexy these. Um, and then this one is weird. Let me show you this. Can I get this? Yeah. Look at this one. So I've never seen this mutation in a fish before ever. But it makes me think this is like how like knife fish and in uh, mamirids and stuff maybe got their fin fins how they are. If you look here, this is the dorsal fin, and then this right here is the anal fin. And instead of being on the underside of the fish like this, it's actually attached to the fish the whole way, growing up the side of the fish infused with the anal fin. So this is actually one entirely large fin. And now this is not like a heavily inbred group or anything. This, these, these fish haven't been around long enough for us to have inbred them or mess with them too much. They're a very new species. So it's so weird though. I've never seen a fish like that. So here's, 
Here's a normal anal fin, right? Down on the bottom of the fish and fairly small. Here's another one, just that big right down there. Right, we get the idea, yeah? And then here's this fish growing up the side, attached to the fish the whole way. It's not like free floating or anything, or just dangling down from the dorsal. It's actually attached to the body of the fish right here and attaches up. Now we only have one like that, um, but I saw that and I was like, now I see how knife fish became knife fish. <laughs> that's the start of that process. <laughs> anyway, that's it for the uh, Turkana jewels. Um, we'll give you a lot more details in the newsletter, which comes out um, November 1st. And oh, I should, I should show you how to get that. It's free and all that. No worries. So if you want to join the newsletter, go to dancefish.com, go to menu and click, what did I do? Am I not signed in? Hang on. <laughs> of course, as soon as I'm live, dance fish. Yes, yes. Menu. Oh, I have to log in. Somehow I got, I was logged in last time. Somehow between now and last time I got logged out. And so make sure I'm not showing this. Okay, my password. And let's see if this is even my password. I usually have to look up my password. All right. Hey, there we go. <laughs> so here we go. I'm logged back in. Somehow the system logged me out. But um, here we are. If you go here. Oh, it's at the bottom, isn't it? <laughs> Random Arms is over here laughing at me. Here we are at the bottom. You can join the newsletter, or if you want to see the previous newsletters, you click there. And here's an archive of all the newsletters, and um, you don't have to pay for them or anything. They're just here, and you can you can see them. Cool puffer article here by Matthew Proctor. Thanks again, Matthew, for that about his hairy puffers, which I thought was pretty cool. And then a whole bunch of cool pictures of quarries, as well as what's going on with the um, warehouse build. Anyway. All right, so if you want to read more about these jewel cichlids, that's where you can do it. Okay, moving on, moving on. Um, let's see here. Oh, I should say this. So all the new fish, almost all the new fish um, from this import have been added to the website, but they aren't available for purchase yet. Um, we'll list them for purchase on Saturday. I'm sorry, on Friday. But if you go here and you go to wish list, it'll show you all the fish that we have that are not in stock. And you can browse here and find um, any fish that you might be interested in adding to your wish list. Like Corridor's Equus, that's when a lot of people want. So if you don't want to miss when those are listed for sale on Friday, then add it to your wish list and you'll get an automatic email reminder as soon as they are listed for sale. Um, Flagtail pandacories, another one a lot of people are looking for. Um, so the new fish, this is a really cool one. We got some CW62s, which I'm very excited to have. And it goes on, right? There's a whole bunch of new stuff. 174 ocelot plecos, this is one that you can't get your hands on hardly. It's a very difficult fish to find. This one is small. It ties with the mini snowball pleco as the smallest hypensistra species. So they're only gonna grow full 
full, full grown, as big as they get, oh, two and a half, maybe three inches ish. So um, that's a, I'm, I'm really glad we have that fish in stock. It's a very neat one. Um, so the 173s I wanted to show, oh, here they are. I'm super excited about these. So we were able to get 173s. These are the real deal 173s. They have the, the brown eye, if you look really closely. Um, and they look awesome. So what they are basically, they look like a, a, a L46, right? Like a standard zebra pleco, but the pattern's a little different. They get a little bigger and bulkier and they have a different pattern on the tail than the 46s. The 46s have straight up vertical lines on the tail. I'll show you that in a second here. Um, let's see here. Where's a 46? Scroll here. Oh, the 46s are listed for sale, so they won't be on the wish list. That's what it is. Anyway, that's how you can um, be notified when the new fish come in stock. So let's let's find those 46s real quick and just show you the difference on the tail. All righty. How clear is that? Let's see here. Yeah, you see how that kind of just goes straight through? So that's the 46. Ah, hang on. It's straight through. And then on the 73, I wish I could do this side by side. I was reading about this on lauracaraday.info. Let's see if we can get a good one. We don't have a really, we're, we might need to get, I don't know if we can get more pictures of the tail. Anyway, I don't know if we'll be able to show it right now. <laughs> Swing and a miss. <laughs> um, but I was, I was reading on Laura Caraday, uh, dot info to try to understand better what the differences are. And one is the eye color, uh, size line, kind of wavy lines and, and the pattern on the tail can be different as well. So, all right, that's, that's that. Um, one thing that we are doing is we just got some, um, thermometers in that we can put in shipping boxes. We want to run a couple tests. So we'd like to do is put some of those thermometers in shipping boxes when we send fish out along with a cell phone that we'll put in there to record the data from the uh, thermometer. We'll put it in a little package within the box of fish with a self addressed, you know, returns envelope basically. And when we send someone some fish, we could put that in there. It'll record the temperature of the whole journey. And then we'd have that person, when they unpack the box, just put the cell phone and thermometer in its little package already labeled and ready for shipment and just send that back to us. And then we can get a good sense of what the fish's journey is like temperature wise. And so if people are going to be ordering or, and are willing to do that, it's not going to cost you anything. Uh, just the inconvenience, I guess, of having to take a package out of your box, a small little package out of your box and 
and send it off to us through UPS, but it'll all be paid for. Um, if that's something you're willing to do, then next time you place an order, would you just mention that like um, thermometer guinea pig or, you know, I'm willing to be a temperature test person or something like that. If you leave a note on shipping, um, we have a good track record, but it'll be really nice for us to see what it actually looks like temperature wise on the fish's journey. Uh, does it ever get to a point where the temperature is high enough or low enough to be really stressful to them? I mean, yeah, they're living, but can we change something to make it better? That's what we want to find out. So we, we like to do some real tests and real fish shipments to see what we can learn, basically. So if you're willing to help us out, let us know. Just leave a note at checkout and we'd really, really appreciate it. Now, we only have like one old spare cell phone, so <laughs> don't be offended if we're like, oh, sorry, it's already out. <laughs> like, we don't have a bunch of these. <laughs> we don't have tons of cell phones that we can do, but we do have one spare one that, that I think we can use. So looking for volunteers. Um, I think the last thing before we get into your questions and comments is I want to show you something. So first thing is something really cute which is just a little baby bristle nose. Became free swimming a couple days ago and are swimming all around and making us all happy. We didn't even try to breed these. We didn't put in a cave or anything. They just went and spawned in the corner of the tank. And it's the tank that has a whole bunch of um, golden dwarf barbs or dwarf golden barbs in it with them. And, but it didn't matter. They, they spawned out in the open. The male tended the eggs, kept the barbs away and uh, they're free swimming and eating algae wafers and stuff right now. So just a little bit of cuteness. Well, the next thing is not so cute, um, but I thought that this would be a good learning experience for those that might be struggling with fish disease. The disease I dread the most is velvet. And we have a case of it right now in a group of CPDs. And so we decided to take some pictures and show you this. So this is, oh yeah, cut out for everyone here. Now it says the stream is excellent. Okay. Well, hopefully it's uh, hopefully it's all restored and good to go. Are we back? Sorry, guys. Internet just totally cut out. The good news is now we're back and we have an excellent connection. So hopefully, is it working? Yeah, it's working now. Was there, Did you see yes. anything? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it completely cut out. Yep. Water change time for Dan. Yeah. What I don't know, guys, is when did it cut out? <laughs> like, you, just, um, you hadn't shown the pictures of Velvet yet. I hadn't shown the pictures of Velvet yet? Okay, so you didn't see that. Okay. So, um, folks, is that right? The Velvet got you, but I hadn't shown the pictures yet. Is that correct? And that's the secret how you cure Velvet. I just want to, I'm just waiting for a second so that, uh, so I can see exactly where I left off. When you said I had won, <laughs> it stopped as soon as the CPD popped up. Okay. Yep. Saw a picture of CPD. Okay, good. So let's do this again. So it was out for a while. Oh, there's a super chat. There is? Yeah, $200. Oh, is Alex? You, you died as soon as it came. <laughs> Alex gave me the money and I was like, peace out. <laughs> I got what I came for. No. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much. I guess, let me take care of that real quick. 
Well, Alex, let me let me finish the velvet thing since I left people hanging and then we'll get to that. So you saw that we had a cute little bushy nose. We have a, a group of those growing up. Yay. But so I wanted to show you guys this. So see this really super fine dusting. That's velvet. I have had this verified by an aquatic veterinarian. That's actually what it is. Keep in mind, this fish is probably only, I don't know, maybe half an inch. It's a tiny little fish. These things are very hard to see, super hard to see, but that's a good shot there. You can, these were taken earlier today. Now, this is a, a disease that I, I kind of live in mortal fear of because you usually don't see it until it's a massive infestation. The reason is these organisms are so tiny that you can have quite a few of them on the fish and, and you won't see it. It's, it's so tiny. And then it'll boom in population and absolutely coat the fish. And you'll, you'll be like, hey, that fish looks a little off or it's just not quite right, that color. Or that fish is breathing super fast. And at that point, you'll see it. Now, believe it or not, see how much velvet is on this? This was very difficult to see. This was really hard to see. Usually it has to be a much higher infestation to even see it. So we were lucky. We actually caught this early. Believe it or not, this is early. <laughs> um, and okay, so now you've seen what it looks like. So I want to talk about how I treat it just because it could be helpful. Um, now, I want you to keep in mind that I'm not an aquatic veterinarian. I, I'm not licensed. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. However, I've come up with a treatment protocol with an aquatic veterinarian, and we've been using it now for several weeks, and we have now tried it on, I think, three separate batches of fish. For some reason, we got... Uh, I don't know, velvet happening in a few tanks. So we've tried it on um, um, bimaculatus. What is that? Mrs. Bimaculatus, Pseudomyces bimaculatus, the two pa the uh, two spot catfish. We've tried it on beta pugnax. Um, we've tried it on some Corydoras. We've tried it on CPDs, obviously, and. We've tried it on a group of tetras, and um, it's worked every time. Now, it's kind of a strange thing, but let me tell you what we do. Now, I, I wanna say, I don't know if it'll work for you. I don't know what your water parameters are like, and it's tough on the fish, but it's a lot less tough on the fish than velvet absolutely wiping them out. So here's the thing, copper will kill velvet. If you have chelated copper, um, it's an effective treatment on velvet. The problem is it only treats velvet in the free swimming stage. And velvet's life cycle is, uh, can be 10, 14 days, depending on temperature. Could be shorter too, but I've, I've had it last, I, I've treated, the reason we came up with this protocol is I had a case I could not get rid of. I treated with copper for 10 days, no improvement, so I was desperate. I reached out to a veterinarian and we came up with, with the protocol I'm going to tell you. So, so the issue is you don't even see the velvet until the fish is absolutely infested. Like a big covering of velvet on the fish because it's so small, you just don't see it before that. 
that means that by the time you see it, the fish is already pretty compromised. Each velvet dust, each bit of dust on the fish, each piece of velvet is, um, is boring a hole into that fish, right? And so the fish's osmoregulation becomes very difficult. Um, those are all those little injuries where the velvet organism burrows into the fish are points of entry for bacteria and other infestations. Um, fish is in trouble and what you're not seeing is it's all up in the gills. Like it's affecting their breathing a lot. Often by the time you catch it, the fish is gasping. So, okay, copper will treat it, but it'll only treat the free swimmers. So you might have these adults, if you will, that have already infested the fish stay there for seven to 14 days longer and the fish is already in bad shape. So you can prevent new infestation with the copper, but you're not going to help the fish immediately. So in large fish, this isn't as big a deal, right? If you have a big fish, you can probably catch the velvet and um, treat it and the fish is robust enough it can undergo that. But with like CPDs and little quarry catfish and stuff like that, um, the fish is already in bad shape when you see it usually. So something I didn't know is that I, I know that salt treats things, but I didn't know you could treat salt in crazy dosages. But here's what works is we give the fish a bath in a 35 parts per thousand salt solution, 35 grams of salt dissolved into a liter of water. Okay. And that's a crazy lot of salt. We put them in a net. We dip that net with the fish into the salt solution for two minutes. The fish don't like it. They like go rigid and flop onto their back. It's, it's not great for them. It's really hard on them. But what it does is it makes all the velvet that's attached to the fish jump off. The velvet can't stand it. And so it's hard on the fish, but it's harder on the velvet. It makes the velvet release. After two minutes, we take the fish with the net and we, we leave them in the net so we can do this quickly. And we take that net out and we dip them in a bucket of fresh water so that we can get the salt off them, kind of rinse the velvet off them. And then after that, we put them back in their tank. Now, we've, we immediately, or right before we take the fish out of the tank or immediately after, treat the tank with copper so no new velvet infests them. And we also have cleaned the filters. So if there's a whole bunch of velvet and stuff in the filters, caught in the filters, we get that out of the tank. And so far, it's worked pretty well. Um, we do lose a few fish. I would say, okay, so we've probably treated... Let's see here. That batch was 40. That batch was uh, 100. So we've treated over 200 fish uh, with this method in the last few weeks. And I would say we've lost less than 20 of them, um, either due to the salt dip or to the fact that they were just so severely compromised before that they just didn't make it to the end of the treatment. So salt dip, rinse, back in the tank, turn off the light because velvet is photosynthetic and put them in a copper bath at um, two parts per million. Uh, it, it's it's 1.5 to two parts per million. We usually go the full 
two parts per million. Um, unless it's like a, a really shiny silver fish or something like that, then we are a sensitive fish. Then we might go 1.5, but 1.5 to two parts per million. And we leave them in that for 10 days. And that's finally a protocol that has been working for us. Um, until that was developed, we could save some fish in a batch that had velvet. And if they were a large fish, like a, a, a big adult rainbow fish, a lot of them would pull through. Um, but a lot of the little fish, the more sensitive fish, are the ones that just don't have the body mass to, to fight through an, infest an infestation like that, we would lose a lot of. So this has been, for the last few weeks, we've been using it. It's been kind of a game changer for us. Uh, we now feel like we have a protocol that works. Before, if a tank of small fish got velvet and they were already having trouble breathing, or not trouble breathing, yeah, trouble breathing, they, they would be breathing heavily. Um, if it got to that point or the body was so covered that we would notice it, <laughs> um, we would lose the vast majority of them. It was like a death sentence. Um, so I'm real happy that we've figured this out. And um, again, there's an aquatic veterinarian involved. So that's the only reason I think that we figured it out. But I'm happy now that we have something that now when something gets velvet, it's like, okay, we'll treat them. Instead of something gets velvet, it's like, oh, shoot. I mean, it's still that. But before it was like it, you were hopeless. So I don't know if that will work for you guys in your water and all that. Um, and I'm not, again, I'm not diagnosing or telling you like what you should do, but this is what's working for us. And so if you're in a situation where it's like the fish are going to die, if I don't do something, I've got nothing to lose in a situation like that. It might be, it might be worth giving it a try. So 35 part, parts per million salt, I'm sorry, parts per thousand, not million salt dissolved into water is the first dip. And then 1.5 to two parts per million uh, chelated copper for 10 days afterwards. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. We've, it's been, it's been amazing for us to have some hope when, when this happens. So, um, hopefully I can report to you next week that they're still doing well. I don't know. We just did the salt dip today on those. That was a new case. It's such a tricky little parasite. Oh, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. But I'm hopeful that that could help someone or at least point you in the right direction. Again, not a veterinarian. <laughs> Just want to make that clear. Um, all right. With that, let's get to your questions and comments. Oh, I should do a little commercial here and let you know that all the new fish from the fish import, except those CPDs, of course, because now we have to treat them for a while, um, will be released for sale this Friday. Almost everything has come through quarantine in great shape. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy to say that the procedures we've put in place to receive fish, to import fish and get them treated properly are helping a ton. Our, our loss rate on this last order was four to, five, four, four to five times, easily four to five times less than the industry average. And I've worked at a lot of pet stores and I've worked at wholesalers and I've worked at a lot of different places. I have a feel for what it normally is, what the industry is like. And um, 
having all those corridors individually bagged help a, a ton. Um, having Steve and Ross um, help us out in Los Angeles when the first fir- when the fish I can't talk fish first arrive, make sure they're treated well, get all the TLC they need uh, to to get to me in good shape is helping a ton. Um, by the way, if you guys don't know Ross, he's on Instagram, finder of fish on Instagram, um, or it might be the finder of fish, but anyway, he's a great guy. He's helping us out. He's a longtime hobbyist. He's worked in the industry for a long time. He knows the industry. And, um, what he does, if you're in Southern California is that there's a fish you want that you can't find. What he likes to do is go find it for you. Um, and then, you know, he'll, bring it in and they'll sell it to you. So Ross finder of fish, if you're in Southern California in the Los Angeles area, but anyway, that that's all, that's all paying off. Um, unfortunately, everything costs when we do these things, it costs more to send fish individually bagged. Um, it, you know, we, Steve and Ross need to be reimbursed for their, their work and their time. There's, a whole station and equipment and stuff we had to set up for them down there. So, um, and just with COVID shipping's gone up, there's tariffs. There's one wholesaler that um, sent me a list last week and they had raised a surcharge on all freshwater fish of 25% and saltwater fish 50%, if you can believe that. So there's all these surcharges coming down the road uh, because of COVID things are just costing more period. And so um, you will see that reflected in the fish from this, this import. We kept it down as much as we could. We, even though the fish, you might be seeing a higher cost on your end, we're actually marking them up less margin than we did the last several imports we brought in. Prices have been climbing and climbing and climbing. And we've been like, oh, we don't want to raise prices. We don't want to raise prices. We don't want to raise prices. Um, This import on some items, we had to raise prices. On most things, it's not much. Um, In fact, it might be an increase from like $10.50 to $10.95 or something like that. But on other things, it might be a dollar or two. Um, So uh, sorry about that. But when every time we add an improvement, like... Stephen Ross down in Los Angeles, making sure the fish are treated right and having the importers or the exporters, sorry, individually bag the fish and everything that that takes in time and labor and money and materials to make happen. And every time we do that, it's good because then the fish are treated more humanely. Um, the supply chain is improved. And that's our mission is to like treat fish like first class airfare instead of, you know, a box, a prison car on a train in a desert, you know, Uh, we're trying to make their experience better. So they thrive for you guys when you buy them. But each time we put in a step to improve that we do add a little cost. So in just COVID's making stuff, I know COVID, right? We're so sick of that excuse. I get it, but it's the reality. Prices just keep going up. So we're doing our best. We don't like raising prices. And, And this time we're like, dude, we're not meeting the margin we have to, to stay in business. So some things did have to go up. Sorry about that. I wish it didn't just know if there is a price increase, it's not because now it's like, man, now we're making a kill and we're going to go buy a Mercedes. It's not that we're still on ramen wages. 
<laughs> I still drive a 1998 GMC Sierra pickup truck. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's not that. It's just we literally will go out of business if we don't raise the prices. So that's that's unfortunate, but it's real. All right, let's before we get to your questions and comments, which we're going to do right about now, let's thank the moderators for all they do. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you so much for doing this every week. Couldn't do this without you. And let's look at these super chats. Alexander Engelhart throwing down $200 old cell phone shopping fund. You know what? We might actually, I'm looking over random arms. We might actually be able to maybe get another cell phone or something with that um, just for this purpose. Because we don't need anything fancy. It just has to have Bluetooth and be able to record temperatures. <laughs> Alexander, thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is three weeks in a row, brother. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I can say. And Leo Contreras, two questions. How do I see the wish list on the site? And also, if I place an order for the new fish Friday, can you hold them until the 8th? We, we can hold fish usually for about a week. Um, that would put us... Yeah, that's a week. That's not a problem. Sure, Leo. Um, sometimes people want us to hold fish for you know, a few weeks or even a few months and stuff. We, we can't do that. We're not a boarding facility and we do have to be able to empty tanks so we can get in new inventory if you want to commoditize a fish. Um, but a week's not a problem. Yeah, that's, that's no issue at all. Um, and then let's see, how do you see the wish list? So you, you create your wish list. Let's show you this. So if you go to Dan's Fish, it's not on Get Gills, the wish list. It's just on Dan's Fish. If you go to Menu, click Wish List, it's there. Or another way to get there is, let's see, if you click on here in any category and then click Wish List. But you'll just see them for that category if you do that. So if you want to see what's what's available under cichlids, go to cichlids and click wish list. That'll show you the fish that are not in stock at the moment that you can add to your wish list to be notified when they are in fish, when they are in stock, if you're interested in cichlids. Um, if you want to see the entire wish list, all the fish that you can add to your um, wish list, and then click that and now it'll show you all the fish that you could add. So basically any fish that's out of stock, if you click this button, you will then get an email as soon as it's put in stock. That's what the wish list does for you. So um, hopefully that helped. Thank you so much for the super chat. Never required, but always appreciate it. And we have another one here. It's Pippi. Pippi Longstocking cheering me on. That must be, yep, Kayla's Aquatics and Exotics. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate the uh, sticker because Pippi's amazing. Appreciate the dollars because that's very helpful and appreciate you being an amazing moderator and supporter of Dance Fish Channel and Dance Fish Company kind of since the beginning. One of our OGs is Bob Kaler. All right. I'm going to look for questions and comments now. So I'm scrolling up to the top. The first one I can see is Fishaholic saying water change time for Dan. Yeah, that must be when, uh, when the uh, internet snapped out on us. Okay. Scrolling down here. Here we go. So if you left a question or comment above Chance Larson's here that says, 
Dovi makes a Bluetooth thermometer humidity sensor. It stores data for months, so you can download the logs after you have it shipped back. Just 10 bucks on Amazon. That might be the one we got. Um, but we'll look into that. The ones we got, well, let's be fair. We haven't dug in super deep with them yet, but I think our understanding is that they do need a cell phone within range to record the data. But if you're saying that the Govi is only 10 bucks and will record the data even when it's way out of range of the Bluetooth signal of your cell phone, that might be something to look into. But but I'd be surprised. I, I think in general, oh yeah, I think in general they have to have a cell phone. Yeah, so that's what we have. We have the Govi here. Um, smart thermometer and hygrometer. Um, so temperature and um, humidity. And I don't know how deep Random Arms has dug into it yet, but I mean, he could be like, no, you don't need a, a cell phone, but I think you do. I don't think the thermometer actually holds it. And then when it gets back to you, you can download it off it. But we'll check that. I mean, we, we have to dig into that a bit. And if you're right, Chance Larson, then that would be amazing for us. That would be awesome. Then we don't have to have a cell phone attached. That would free us up in all kinds of ways. So we'll double check that. Um, but anyway, if you left a question or comment above that one from Chance Larson, I can't see it. Just jumped and it won't let me scroll up that high. So leave it again if you would and make it at Dan's Fish. And I will do my best to get to it in the next, oh, what do we got, 40 minutes-ish? Mikey M, velvet is nasty. Often occurs on Nothobronchius. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's if, when I was breeding and raising Nothobronchius killifish, if I had a problem, it was almost always velvet. Uh, often occurs on Nothobronchius over here, putting new stressed fish in softer salt, poor, no salt water compared to the water they came from. Yep, absolutely. Always added um, salt to the Nothobronchius aquariums, but even then, even then would often get velvet. Um, it's very prevalent in killifish, especially Nothobronchius. Um, also prevalent in bettas. A lot of times if you see a betta that's super stressed out, and clamped up if you look really close you'll see that kind of golden sheen on it and often it's it's velvet wild type bed is as well mnc aquatics i lost a texas cichlid to velvet years ago nasty stuff yep yep i'm i'm really glad they hear dance fish each aquarium is its own system so we don't share any water um Water goes into an aquarium and there's a bulkhead on the back of the aquarium and the water flows out and then it's gone. It doesn't flow into another aquarium or they don't share a pump. I'm sorry, they don't share a sump or anything like that. Um, if we did, we'd be in real trouble because in the last several weeks, we've discovered velvet on what three or four tanks, I think. And um, luckily we know how to treat it now in a way that we can actually save the fish. Um, but if we didn't have our system set up like it is, every tank would have had it like like that. I mean, it is, and it's hard to track because it's so hard to see. Yeah, I live in mortal fear of this stuff. I just hate it. Well, I did. Now I'm less mortal fearful. <laughs> now I'm, I don't like it. It's still a lot harder to treat than ick, but it's uh, it's an improvement. Chuck, is that gudgeon? 
I'm going to go with Gudgeon. Does that kill snails in the tank? Oh, yeah. The copper will wipe out snails and that much salt. Well, you aren't putting that much salt in the tank. You're just dipping them in. But, yeah, the copper will absolutely kill invertebrates, including salt. Yes. Shrimp, inverts of all kinds. Yep. Okay. The Nano Aquarium guy has a comment for me. So let me scroll up and see that. There we are. So Nano Aquarium guy. I don't know if you're in a device that will let you do this, um, but if you are, next time if you put the at symbol dance fish like, like this here, can you see that? Oh, let's see. Let's see. Can we see that? At symbol dance fish. Um, if you do that on your chat, then I will be able to see it because this bright orange box will appear here for me and it will be, and that's something I'll usually see. But anyway, um, thanks to Get Gills, <laughs> I was going to call you Random Arms, <laughs> Jonathan, for um, bringing that to my attention. The Nano Aquarium guy, how many times do you do the dip per fish? I've seen online someone else do it for ick and doing it multiple times. We, okay, we catch all the fish out of the aquarium and put them in a container of fresh water from the aquarium, right? Then we pour them through a net, have all the fish in the net, take that net. Oh, I'm, I'm not showing you me. Take that net full of fish and dip them in a bucket that has water with the proper salt concentration in it. We take that net, we dip it in there, and we leave the fish in the concentration for two minutes. Um, the veterinarian recommended one to three minutes, so we went in the middle. We did two. Maybe one minute would be fine if you have a really sensitive fish or something, but we're doing two. We, we leave them in the salt solution for two minutes. We're not going up and down or anything. We're just leaving them in there. After At the two-minute mark, we take that net and we dip them in a bucket full of fresh water to rinse the salt off. Once we've rinsed them out in the, the fresh water, it doesn't take long. Then we put them back in the aquarium and there's copper in there, right? We've either put it in right before this treatment or immediately after to kill any new velvet um, swimmers that come out. So they, the fish can't be reinfested. Again, I'm not a veterinarian, but, uh, but that's what we're doing. Uh, novice aquatics, what are the causes of velvet? Um, it's an organism that can get in your tank. And once it does, it's photo synthetic or phototrophic. I forget the actual term, it's not a plant, but it can use light. Um, so if you have heavy light on your aquarium and who of us doesn't like to see our fish, right? But that'll help velvet. But basically it's a, a pathogen. Once it gets in there, it can explode a number. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that your parameters are wacky or that you have ammonia in the tank or that something's wrong with the uh, water quality. It doesn't have to be any of those things. You can get perfectly healthy fish that you've had long term in a tank that's been set up forever and everyone's good. And then if you, I don't know, in, take a plant from a tank that has velvet in it and put it over, you didn't know it had velvet, but let's say it did and you didn't know and you moved it over, it can come in on that. It can come on, on a drop of water, anything. It's a tiny little uh, protozoan. Um, but anyway, if that happened, then you'd probably be okay for a few weeks because it takes the population a while. But once that population builds up, it's, it's going to infest. So it's just, uh, yeah, if the pathogen gets in the tank, if the little protozoan gets in the tank, 
then I think you're going to get it. Again, not a veterinarian, but that's been my, that's from what I've experienced over the years. That's, that's my take on it. And, and I have researched it and read up on it and all that. And again, worked with an aquatic veterinarian to figure out the best way to do it and still save the fish when they're little sensitive fish that can't survive for a copper treatment, right? Without something else happening. So, um, yeah. Novice Aquatics. What is the copper treatment you use and where can we get it? Um, I use the Fritz Mardell Copper Safe, uh, but any chelated copper will, will work. Um, chelated copper is a lot safer. If the copper is not chelated, then based on the alkalinity, the, the, the calcium uh, concentration in the water, then the copper dosing is very different. So it gets very complex to use copper if it's not chelated. So do yourself a favor. Get simple chelated copper. Um, Fritz Mardell is what I use, but there's other brands. As long as it's chelated and for aquarium use, I'm sure it'll be fine. And um, just follow the dosage. So, I mean, where did I get my last batch? I think I got it from gemco.com, which if you don't know this website, this is worth knowing. It's a great website. Well, <laughs> let's be real. The website sucks, but the company's amazing. John over at Gemco and Susan and the rest of the crew will know their stuff and can really help you out. The, the website's hard to use. You have to actually call, where's their number? Down here, there's their number or email them, sales at gemco.com uh, to place the order. There's no way to check out. There's no point of sale um, option, but let's see if we can just find it real quick. I don't know if they have it right now. A lot of medications have been discontinued recently, but here it is and they're out right now. Copper safe, they don't have but they do have copper power. I do not know what that is. I've never used copper power, but that might be another option for you. Um, so I don't know if they're out because Fritz Mardell has stopped making it. I hope not. Or, oh, was I not sharing? I think I shared that. Um, Hopefully I just shared that screen and it wasn't just me the whole time. Yeah, okay, I see that I did. Um, hopefully, uh, they're not out because the manufacturer stopped making it. That's happening a lot lately with lots of different medications. Um, in, in which case I would check, check eBay and see if you can get some. T-Bones fishes throwing down three A. Is that Australian? No, that'd be AUS, wouldn't it? I don't know what currency that is, but I'm grateful for the super chat. Thank you so much. Always appreciated. Never required, but it does make my wife super happy when money falls out of the computer screen via super chat so thank you and i don't see a question or comment just a thumbs up from you all right right back at you thanks so much edwin mejia what would you suggest in regards to treating pine cone fem in a female platy so pine coning or dropsy um, is not a disease it's a symptom of a disease so it would depend on what's causing the dropsy um again not a veterinarian but I've read up quite a bit at like, you know, about these things. And in my novice knowledge, here's what's happening. Dropsy occurs when a couple things can cause it. One is osmotic regulation fails. So the fish is no longer able to keep the fresh water out of its body. The pressure of the fresh water, the osmotic pressure of that fresh water that wants to invade the fish's body because the fish is salty it becomes too great and the fish 
pine cones out because it becomes swollen with water. It just can't keep the water out anymore. So that's one. Another one is internal organ failure. Um, uh, I don't know if it'd be like liver or kidneys or what, but if, if some of the important organs start to fail, then you can get uh, pine coning as well. So I've never successfully treated dropsy. I'm sure someone has, has had a case where there was dropsy and were able to treat it, but I've never done it. And I don't know, do I know anyone that has, uh, there may be someone has, but, uh, but I'm not sure. Um, I think if you had it, it's definitely an internal issue and uh, you need to treat with something that could get inside the fish quick. Maybe canamycin might give you a shot, but honestly, I don't know. I don't know of anything that would work because again, that's a symptom. It's not a disease. Vera Frank. Hey, Dan, this is Max. Hey, Max. The little similis arrived in great condition. Rock solid as always. All right. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Glad everything went well and good to hear from you, Max. So that's Corridor Similis for those that are wondering. The smudge spot Cory, or sometimes they call them the, what, the violet Cory? I was going to say the velvet Cory. No, the violet Cory. Um, and uh, Max got the last two. I think we're totally out now. I need to get some more of those. Now that I have a breeder that will send me Corydoras individually bagged, I'm going kind of nuts with Corys. Let me, let me actually show you this. This is exciting. Okay. So this will have to be on the wish list because these are mostly not in stock yet. But let me show you this. So Corydoras Joffrey. Awesome fish almost impossible to find. This is the type species for the genus Corydoras. So this is the first Corydoras that was ever, ever described, right? The entire genus Corydoras is named because this fish was described. But what's funny about it is so even as the, though the first one that was described and everything, it was a ghost for decades. So it was found we described the entire genus off it, and then no one could find it again. It just disappeared. Finally, recently it was found, and there's there's been a, a couple people that were able to bring it in and breed it, and I was able to get it from one of those. But it's a really strange fish. It's the type for the genus, but it's different than almost all the rest of the quarries. It has... Um, it has barbs, like hairs, like like pleco type ododont type things on its cheeks, similar to scleromastics. That's why we call scleromastics barbatus the bearded quarry, right? The males get these, um, what would you call them? Uh, bristles on their cheeks that they use to kind of fight each other, which brings up the other thing. These guys are aggressive. Most quarries are absolutely peaceful, make love, not war type fish. These guys the males will fight amongst themselves. Again, similar to scleromastics. Um, oh, there was something else weird about them. Oh, they have a third barbel on the corner of their mouth. Rictal barbel is what that's called. They're one of only three species, I think, that has it. Septrionalis has it, they have it, and another one has it. So, so here we have a fish. This is a type species for all the quarries and is wacko and different than all the quarries for which it is representative. <laughs> so it's, it's just such a weird little twist of 
fishy fate, I guess, if you really want to nerd out on it. Flagtail pandas, um, equus. We don't actually have any more of the peppered quarries right now. Don't have any more similis. Have a bunch of the pygmies that are doing great. Duplicarius, and I'm confident these ones are duplicarius. Um, you never know between a Dolphoy and Duplicarius for sure, but the breeder of these is a guy that knows his stuff. Samete, like we went nuts. Look at this. Corridor CW62. Um, we got 153s. This is one that will blow your mind. This little guy is like a Kerasidium, which is a darter tetra. So they're they're mimicking the Kerasidium genus. Uh, let me I think I showed this last last week, so I, I won't do it again. But it's it's a long, skinny quarry that looks like a darter tetra. It is so weird. I love them. I think they're just amazing. Only have a couple of them. Um, super hard to get and super expensive. Like really expensive, but super cool. We have some more orange Venezuelans coming from a, a hobbyist breeder this weekend. Um, someone local that will drive up and give us some more. Um, but anyway, Sipelweeny, these guys are so cool and you never see them. What else did we get that's crazy? Uh, anyway, we now that I have a supplier that I'm confident in and I know does a good job and treats the fish like they should be treated, I'm kind of going nuts on the quarry. So I forget what started me on that. Oh, Max, it's your fault, Max. <laughs> Chat jumped again, darn it. Let's see here. Hang on, I'm looking for where I was because chat went nuts. There, there, that's Max's comment. Okay, Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. But before we get to that, I want to thank Kelly Foreman for throwing down 20 bucks. Kelly, thank you so much. Friday bagel fun for Dan's fish. <laughs> thank you. I, You know, I wish we could afford the bagel fun, but I'm going to be straight with you. That's going to go into just straight up operations and helping us survive. Like... Um, people will give us fish and say like go buy a coffee and it's or fish people will like throw super chats throw money at us and be like go buy a coffee or something it's it never does it always goes to like okay this will go towards that piece of equipment Mandy needs so that she doesn't put so much pressure on her wrists and shoulders as she's uh, bagging fish or this will go to, what did we get recently? We got a copper test kit recently because we wanted to make darn sure that the dosages we were using for treating the velvet um, was in fact what it should be. Because when you read the instructions on the Fritz Mardell quick cure or as copper safe is, sorry, copper safe or whatever you're using, it, it says, you know, use this much, a teaspoon per this many gallons. And it's like, well, how many gallons is actually in that aquarium? It's got sand in it. It's got filters. It's not filled up quite to the rim. So is this right? So we got a copper test kit so we can know for sure that we're doing it right. Um, we got a turkey baster that doesn't leak. <laughs> it was worth 12 bucks. Usually a turkey baster is like a buck, right, at the dollar store. We, we were like, man, the, the, they're leaking all over. So we got a turkey baster that doesn't leak. We got something else, which is really cool, which is a dosing pump. I should show you guys this. Just one second. I'll be right back. Okay. Got a dosing pump. But first, 
turkey baster that does not leak because it has this little tip in it, which has a little silicon valve in it that prevents it from leaking, which is amazing. No more dripping bloodworms all over the front of the aquariums and all over the floor, right? Um, no more wasting all those bloodworms and brine shrimp and stuff. So that's pretty cool. Then the dosing pump. Hang on, I got to wet my whistle. Oh, this is good. Did you see Rich's comment? Rich Lidstrom right here below Mountaintop Puffer Keeper says, if you looked into temperature data loggers, no need for cell phones. Most are expensive, but you should be able to find one for 50 to 60 bucks. I've used them to monitor product cooling times. So that's, that's a good thing to know. Temperature data loggers. All right. Here, I haven't forgot about you, Mountaintop, Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. So here we go. Check this out. This is a doser. This is a bottle, which is hugely expensive, ridiculously so, but the reason is it has special threading so the doser can fit on it and it cuts out UV light. So I can put a whole bunch of ICX in here and it won't degrade if I leave it out on the shelf because UV light won't penetrate this bottle. from packaging all over that. So here's the dosi pump, right? Here's the little valve or little little uh, nozzle that goes into it. Okay. You put your ickx in here. You screw this on. Well, there's a little. Okay. You put the little pipe in here, right? Then you screw this on. And now, I would tighten this down and, and make sure it's right. But just for just for real quick for the live stream, I don't worry about that. Now, if you go to a tank and you need to treat with ICX, you just go like that and go down, and you know that one milliliter was squirted into the tank. Uh, we have another one of these coming, which is five milliliters, because that's one teaspoon, and we use that dosage frequently. So right now, you can go to a tank and go squirt, and you've got a milliliter of medication in there. So that's going to help us a ton. Um, if we get new fish in and we're dosing with ICX, and let's say we got, what was this? I don't know, we'll get 100 new species in sometimes. And in the warehouse, we'll get even more. Imagine going around with a little teaspoon and your little bottle of ICX and trying to pour in a teaspoon and lift the lid and put it in there without spilling and then go to the next tank, right? After, after you do that 100 times, it's like, this is ridiculous. This is taking all day and I'm spilling all over. With this thing, you just go like this, whoop, and you're done. You dosed one, one milliliter. And when we get the new five milliliter cap, which is coming, it's in the mail, we go like that, whoop, we dosed a teaspoon, right? So now we can go around and just go tank, 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 and dose. So that's an improvement we made because it was taking forever to treat the fish. So that'll help. Um, That'll help save time as we do that and be much more efficient. So that's the kind of thing when you guys give us super chats, 
that we're putting it towards, even though it would be super nice to go buy bagels. Um, Jonathan and Mandy and I are so invested in this that we take all the money we get and we just try to find ways to improve the company. So, <laughs> so Kelly, thank you for the bagel fund. We're probably going to buy something else we really need. <laughs> Hope that's not too disappointing. Although I will say, we did spring for donuts. Hang on, I'm trying to put this back. I, I know that I'm going to knock this over and break it. So let me go put it back real quick. All right, so um, we did spring for donuts this week, though. So that was a big hurrah. And the reason we did that is our local UPS office is awesome. I know they aren't all awesome, but ours are awesome. They take care of us so well. And I had a situation this week where I needed a little help, and um, they, like, did their best to help. And they're friendly, and they're helpful, and they've, they've been like that. Just wonderful to work with. So... So we went and we bought them a bunch of donuts, right? To say thank you with a little thank you card. And while I was at it, I was like, well, I better get the team some donuts too. So we just got some extra. But, you know, every now and then we spring for something like that. But usually it's because we're trying to do something nice for someone else. And what's three more donuts cost? <laughs> so, but thank you so much for the Super Jack Kelly Foreman. I appreciate it. Now, finally, Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. <clears throat> Baby Mekong puffers are going strong. Got approximately 30 of them feeding on vinegar eels. It's starting to go for baby brine shrimp 72 hours post-hatch. That is awesome. Mountaintop puffer keeper is breeding a POW species, which is hard to do. Well, okay, maybe it's not so hard to breed them, but it's hard to breed them and raise them successfully. So I'm excited to see how this goes. Keep us posted. We want weekly reports. <laughs> and thanks for letting me know. That's exciting. All right. I already got Rich Lidstrom's. And by the way, Rich, it's great to see you. I hope you and the family are doing well. Ow! 20 long tank, eco sand, gravel bottom, plants, nine quarries. For months, ammonia level holds at 0.25 ppm. We'll spike to 2 ppm. Ooh, not good. Four cherry shrimp, tried H2O changes, stability, etc. Save our souls. SOS. Man, I don't like any ammonia in my tank. Even 0.25 ppm, I can, I, it can be stressful on fish. Um, so I, I like it to where the ammonia isn't even readable. So I feel your pain. What I don't what I don't know is the eco complete. I'm imagining that's what you say when you say eco. I've never used it, but my understanding is that it can absorb and release ammonia um, for the plants. My only idea, and it's fairly uneducated because I've never used this product, is that um, it's something to do with the eco complete. Someone in the community, if you use EcoComplete or if you look at Al's, um, or is it AI? I think it's, I think that's an L. Um, if you look at Al's comment here, 20 gallon long with Eco, sand, gravel bottom. So I'm imagining EcoComplete, sand, and gravel all mixed together. 
plants, nine Corydoras. For months, the ammonia level has been there, and then it'll spike to two. And he's got some cherry shrimp, or wants to put in cherry shrimp. It's not good for cherry shrimp, so I don't know if that means is waiting to put in cherry shrimp or has cherry shrimp. But he's tried water changes, or Al, I don't, I don't know Al's gender. Al has tried water changes, um, stability, etc. Yeah, I don't know. If anyone here could help Al out, would you please leave a comment um, if you have any ideas? Because I don't. I've never used Eco. Alice B, I have a large piece of spider wood. Cool. That I've been soaking. Oh, speaking of wood. <laughs> Yay. Um, if you guys haven't seen Simply Betta's latest video about her demon driftwood, it cracked me up. Um, I think it's my favorite video Taylor's ever made. So Simply Betta, demon driftwood, go check it out. I have a large piece of spiderwood that I've been soaking and boiling for two weeks now. It sinks, but it's still releasing tannins, which I don't want. Will it ever stop releasing tannins? No, it never will, but they'll, they'll slow down. So as the wood degrades, like it's going to decompose over time, right? I, maybe it's a hundred years. I don't know, but it, it's, uh, it's going to gradually decompose. As that process happens, it will release tannins as the, as the wood is breaking down. Now it'll do it a lot more slowly over time, but no, it's always going to be releasing tannins, Alice. IHSP's Tank Tribe. Perhaps that odd anal fin on your fish is an absorbed twin? Oh my gosh, I never thought of that! It's a homunculus! Might that be possible with that fish? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I never thought of that. The only thing is, um, maybe it is, but it doesn't have an anal fin in the in the regular spot. So we're just going to look at this real fast. We won't spend a lot of time on this. But okay, so here's the jewel cichlids. Um, the turaconas are the ones we're talking about, and we're talking about this fish. See how see how these ones actually have an anal fin on the bottom. This one kind of doesn't. It only is on the side. Like if you look at the fish from the other side, we don't have a picture of it, but if you did, you wouldn't see anything. This would just be a smooth line with no finage. Well, unless it's just being, unless it's there, but it's just being like tucked up against the fish. I don't know, I'll have to look at it more closely. But an absorbed twin, that is the best um, theory that I've heard so far. I like. <laughs> and then Bob says, Matt, it's beginning to sound true. <laughs> Chuck Gudgeon, is that treatment for velvet invertebrates safe or should you remove snails? No, it'll, it'll kill all invertebrates, including snails. Michael Wiggins. What address should I send my old cell to? I've got one that's been sitting for six plus years that I keep forgetting about. Oh, cool. Um, if you would send it to me, um, I don't want to like announce my address here live on the internet in front of the entire world, but if you'd send me an email, dan at dancefish.com, then I'll let you know my, my address so you can send it to me. I'd appreciate that. That's awesome. Thank you. 
Cancer Train, how do you sanitize equipment between tanks? My favorite way to do it is to dry it out like nets. We just dry them out. And that, that kills almost everything. Now, we also use peroxide at times if we need to, um, at intervals. But I think if, if it's usually we dry it out, and if not, then our go-to is hydrogen peroxide. So those are the two we use most often. I like hydrogen peroxide better than bleach, uh, just because it's not as toxic to fish. And once it's done degrading, it breaks down into oxygen and water, which you want with your fish, right? So it's, it's much, uh, uh, once, when bleach breaks down, you still have issues and have to change it out and all that. When hydrogen peroxide breaks down, it's like, oh, now we have water that's well oxygenated. Yay. So that's why I use it. We use sometimes, we'll sometimes use alcohol as well. And sometimes we'll just stick something out in the sun. If it's summertime and like we have a tank that's had something in it, we'll scrub it out. I'll probably bleach it. And then if it was like mycobacteria or something, or I suspect it was, um, then I'll take it out and let the sun beat down on it for a while. So those are the ways we usually do it. Bunny Viper. Hey, Bunny Viper. Good to see you. <laughs> Today's shipment came in as always. Happy, healthy babies. So thrilled to have them. Would you please explain the difference between Dan's fish and dance fish on get gills. Thanks. Sure, I can do that. And by the way, Bunny Viper, Bunny Viper and I played email tag. So I, I have a couple different emails for Bunny Viper, and she emailed me, um, and I responded with the wrong email address, of course. Sorry. And so she didn't get that and thought I hadn't. Anyway, we were we were doing this thing, so we got it figured out. But I'm sorry, Bunny Viper. I just, I just pick the email address that has your, your, uh, your picture on it instead of the one you're actually using. And I didn't realize, so I, I caused some shenanigans. So there's, there's no difference really between the, the fish that are listed or the prices or anything like that between dance fish and get gills. Get gills is a group marketplace where anyone can list fish for sale. So dance fish has a store there with our fish listed for sale. It would be like, like eBay, where anyone can go list something for sale. If I had a store on eBay, eBay would be the platform and Dancefish would be the store on the platform. Get Gills is the platform and Dancefish is a store on the platform, along with lots of other stores. Since there's lots of different stores using that platform, it's a um, you know crowdsourced, community-sourced marketplace, there's only so much... Uh, customization you can do on it, right? You want it to be simple for everyone to use and to function well, but if you start customizing too much, then what you do for one person won't work well for another person and won't work well for another person. And you know what I mean? There's all different kinds of needs. So in a community kind of crowdsource type marketplace, I think the best approach is make it super simple, have some basic functionality, and then stop so everyone can use it. I mean, we probably have more functionality on Get Gills than we should, <laughs> to tell you the truth. What, what Dan's Fish is, is it's the same company, but it's our own dedicated website. There are no other stores on it. And what that allows us to do is customize intensely. So we can have exactly what we want on Dan's Fish to tell our story or, or have backend reports generated or whatever we, we need. Um, because we want it and we don't have to worry about those customizations uh, making someone else 
making someone else's store not work as well for them. So that's the difference. It's just two different platforms. One we can customize heavily, one we kind of can't because it serves a lot of different people. Um, it, when you dig into some of these marketplaces that do kind of start going heavily into customization and things, they become very difficult to navigate. And you basically have to become, you have to hire someone that's a full-time expert in that marketplace just to use it effectively. And we don't want that. We want GetGills to be simple for everyone to use, be reliable, um, and do what it needs to do. So one thing that DanceFish allows us to do, besides all the customized backend stuff and, and digging in how we want, just for our company is, is it allows us to tell our story better. And we're, we're working on that. We're trying to get to the point where we can have a customer base that is beyond YouTube. Most of our customer base right now comes from YouTube. Um, and so if you don't know us from YouTube or haven't been sent to us by someone on YouTube, then there's only what a 30% chance or something like that, or 50% or chance that you know about us. And, and if you come and you don't know about us, then and you want to get to know us, there's not a lot on Get Gills we can do to tell our story. Here's who we are. Here's what we do without making things really messy. So on Dan's Fish, its own dedicated website. It's the only store on that website. We can create all kinds of stuff to tell our story and be interactive with people that don't already know us. So it helps us grow our, our customer base beyond YouTube. So that's, that's one reason we did that. Um, yeah, because YouTube's great and it's a great way to build a community and, and start something, but you've got to grow beyond that. If you want to, our, our mission is big. We're trying to literally change the aquarium fish industry, how it operates. We're trying to make it better. We're trying to make it more humane. And in order to do that, we have to reach a lot more people than we can reach in just one platform. So we have to be able to tell our story through our website to people that don't already know us, I guess, is the, the way I should have said that <laughs> instead of taking five minutes to explain it. <laughs> ADHD Aquatics, Archerfish, so cute behind you. They are awesome. And guess what? They like to target random arms here. So Random Arms, a.k.a. Get Gills, a.k.a. Jonathan, um, sits by me and, and codes all day. Like it helps make Dan's fish the super site we need it to be builds all, all of our functionality and all that. Um, and every now and then he'll get hit with some water and he's like, what is that? Trying to figure it out. The other day he finally figured it out. There's an archer fish <laughs> that goes here. Cause there's a little seam in the lid right on the corner uh, where, where the, where the hinge is in the lid, right between the hinge and the side of the tank, the bezel of the tank that the lid rests on, is a tiny little gap. There's an archer fish that goes over there and squirts water and hits, hits random arms with it. So <laughs> they're not just cute, they're devious. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I just saw one here. Leo Contreras, would pea puffers do good? I'm going to say, well, with the panda pistols I got from you. No, uh, I don't think so. Pea puffers are awesome, but they're pretty hate machines. Um, 
maybe people here have been successful keeping them in a community tank, but I would say that's an exception to the rule. I would say in general, they like to pick on other fish. Uh, they'll terrorize other fish, even if they're quite a bit bigger. Um, I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they're the right choice, especially for pistols. The pistols aren't like rapidly swimming fish. They're, they kind of hang out and sedately move around browsing for food through the sand and stuff. Right. Uh, maybe a school of like giant Daniels that's super fast or something would be okay, but then they'd probably outcompete the puffers for food. So you lose there as well. So I don't know. They're pretty hate machines. I like them. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hang on. I'm I'm looking where we were here. Catching up. All right. Liquid Zoo mentioning the Govi uh, thermometer again. Yeah, that's the one we have. Maybe we just need to look into it more. I, I thought I needed a cell phone. Novice Aquatics, what's the copper treatment you use? Okay, I already talked about that. That's earlier in the um, earlier in the stream. Donald Drew, hi, Dan. Are the Corridors Equus available? Not yet. They'll be released Friday, and they're doing awesome. They're, they're down here in this 100-gallon tank. Um, we haven't lost a single one. No one's gimpy. Like, they're a solid batch. They'll be released for sale Friday. All the, all the new fish, provided they're doing well, which I, I think almost all of them are, will be released for sale Friday. Oh, one that isn't, the, the, the Celestial Pearl Daniels, of course, aren't because they have velvet. But the other one that isn't, um, that we're trying to figure out right now is we brought in a batch of guppies and endlers specifically because we're trying to kind of crack that code and figure out how to get them healthy. We put them through a round of ICX because you have all kinds of issues with uh, external parasites not just ick but and not just velvet but other critters little sap guppies of their strength in uh, formalin will generally take care of that not always but it's a it takes care of a wide variety of them so they went through you know a week or so of that and we also did uh, three rounds of levamisol to take care of any nematodes because guppies often have nematodes but Several of them still are eating and not gaining weight. So something's happening. Um, we brought our aquatic veterinarian in and looped him in the problem. He examined some of the fish and dissected one. And he found some nematodes in the gut. So levamisol should take care of that, especially in four treatments. So we checked to make sure our dosage was right and all that. And it is. So we just need to do another set, another round, basically, of it. So we're going to go through more levamisol and try to clean them out. Um, and then we'll check some more and see if it's cleared up or not. We're, we're trying to establish a protocol basically to where we can get guppies in, cure what ails them because guppies come in and often don't last more than a few weeks. If you've ever bought guppies lately, sometimes they do great, but, but they're having a lot more problems than they used to. And, um, so we want to develop a protocol to fix them <laughs> and get them ready and hardy and fat and sassy so they'll thrive for our customers. And this is part of that. This is the first 
um, group that we brought in to kind of try to pinpoint and figure out what's going on and what that protocol needs to be. So we're in the very early stages of that process. It's going to take us a few, few more batches before we really figure it out. And that doesn't mean like we're killing all the batches. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think we've dissected one fish so far and sent two others to the lab. So we sent two to a laboratory um, so they can do a, a histopathy and really get in and see if there's other things con- things contributing. Are there viruses? Um, are there other issues that we need to know about? But we're serious about fixing this. We're we're tired of guppies not doing well. They should do well. They're they're one of the most popular fish in the hobby, maybe the most. They get tons of people into the hobby. And so it's important that they do well for people. And right now they're not. In general, some are, some aren't. Um, I will say if you want nice hardy guppies, Jadron Aquatics, um, he buys his from a local hobbyist breeder. So the quality I'm I'm assuming is going to be a lot higher. I have not bought from Jadron, but I know people who have and they rave about them. And generally, if you can get them locally and they're not bred out on farm ponds or raised out, you know, in those environments and stuff, they're probably going to have less parasites and be healthier. So I would say if you're looking for guppies at the moment, I'd recommend Jadron Aquatics. Jason over there is a fantastic guy. Um, But we're trying to fix this problem so that we can, uh, you know, there's only a limited number of, of strains that one hobbyist breeder can breed and, and give to Jadron to distribute. And we want, we want to bring the smorgasbord uh, to everybody and, and have them be solid. So this is kind of the first steps towards that. Anyway, I think I'm out of time. Um, sorry it was such a rough start. Hopefully it was worth hanging in there for those that did. Um, we had internet issues, massive storm earlier today, just massive wind. Like we lost a big branch off our tree out back. And so I, I'm assuming something uh, messed with our internet, but luckily it recovered. So <laughs> next time I, I don't anticipate any problems unless there's another massive storm at that time. I, I skipped a super chat here. Sorry, Edwin Mejia. Awesome fish story. Well, thank you. I'm glad you appreciated it. I don't know which one you thought was awesome, but <laughs> thank you for the super chat. We need to do this giveaway. Let's do it. This is for three Turricana jewels, an awesome little jewel cichlid. Um, very pretty, doesn't get too big, uh, hardy, prolific, and mean little suckers. We have 78 people eligible. Cheers to everyone that entered. And the winner is Jeremy. Jeremy, you have won. Congratulations. If you would uh, just reply, you've got two minutes to do so. Let us know that you're here, and then you'll officially be the winner. So congratulations. And while we're waiting for Jeremy, let's see if we can get one other quick one in. Okay. One directed at me. Oh, because your fish just salt kill the velvet or just make it let go. I don't know. The way the veterinarian described it is it makes the velvet jump off the fish. That's that's the words that were used. I did not follow up to say, does that mean it kills it or does that mean it's just jumped off and it's still alive? I'm not sure, but we uh, 
we we sterilize the bucket when we're done. We <laughs> empty it out, rinse it out, dry it out, all that. So, but I, I'm not sure exactly what it means. But it's been really effective. Like you'll see it all over the fish pre-dip. Dip it in the salt, rinse them out, put it in the tank. Come back a few minutes later, take a look. You'll see that it's gone. Now there's a bunch of sores left on the fish where the velvet was, which is not great. Um, and sometimes you might need to follow up with an antibiotic or something uh, if they get an infection due to all all the all the big holes that have been drilled in them basically by the velvet. But, um, but so far it's been working really well for us. The nano aquarium guy. Thank you for the answer. You're welcome. Okay. Looking for ones directed at me. Dragon layer got his copper safe off of Amazon. Yeah. Amazon and, um, eBay are always options. We are at two minutes, and Jeremy has. He's replied. Oh, he did reply. It just didn't come up yet. Okay, good. I'm glad. Random. I'm glad I have a producer. <laughs> You're now a producer. <laughs> that makes me feel official. All right, Jeremy. Random Arm says that you have responded, even though it's not showing up here. So, congratulations, you have won. If you would email me, Dan at dancefish.com, with your first and last name and your mailing address. We'll send those out to you probably next week. Next week might be horrendously busy for us because all the fish from the new import will be released um, this Friday and we'll start shipping them out next week. So I might email you and be like, oh, there he is. Woohoo. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Jeremy. Um, you know, it might just be crazy. I might say, hey, can we ship them the following week? But for now, we plan on next week. Um, unless things go absolutely nuts. All right, that's it for me. I want to thank my moderators for being here and doing what they do. Thanks for sticking with us. And man, you guys have been loyal for a long time, showing up week after week and helping out. And I just want to thank you. It's amazing. I don't have tons of moderators. I'm not like those channels where every other user is a moderator. There's just a small core and you guys just keep coming and, and helping out every week. So thank you so much. Um, everyone that threw money at us, thank you for the super chats. Always appreciated, never required. But we are a startup and we're lean and we're on ramen wages. And so every bit really does help. We do appreciate every dime. Um, everyone that left a question or comment, thanks for being interactive with us. Hail the Lurker Nation. Everyone watching on the replay. Hey, that's what replays are for. Glad you could join us. And everyone on the podcast, thanks for listening. This one's going to be a doozy to get through at least the first 15 minutes or so while things were going in and out. But thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, have a good one. Thank you and good night. Bye-bye.